Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. I'm very excited about my guest today. I really am. We promoted this, and I'm excited. We are talking about reversing Alzheimer's disease, which so many people are talking about. A lot of people are afraid of, uh, as they age, of not being able to remember or losing memory and brain function. And it doesn't have to be that way. We have a fabulous author. His name is Dr. Timothy J. Smith. And his book is Reversing Alzheimer's, How to Prevent Dementia and Revitalize Your Brain. Dr. Timothy Smith is a functional and molecular medicine family physician, brain biochemist, and neuropsychiatrist. He's the author of Renewal, the Anti-Aging Revolution. Welcome, Dr. Smith. Welcome to you. Yeah, it's great. Thanks, really thanks for great. having me on your show. Yeah, I'm so excited about this. I really am because this is something I love talking about. And I think as we get older, we're worried. You know, we're all worried. I mean, sometimes when I find like I can't remember something, all of a sudden I go, huh? you know, <laughs> am I getting this Alzheimer's? It? It's, it's just this natural function this when you it? forget something. <laughs> so what causes Alzheimer's disease? What causes Alzheimer's disease is a breakdown in the functioning of the cells of the brain. The cells are called neurons, and the, the disease is a, what we call a neurodegenerative disease. So the, the, uh, there, there's another way of answering that question, and it has to do with the idea behind the book that I wrote um, and what, what causes Alzheimer's disease has been a... Uh, difficult subject for researchers for many years, uh, for about the past 60 years that, that deep scientific and pharmacological research has been looking at Alzheimer's, the, the attempt has been to find a single cause. And so when, when if, if 20 years ago, you had, or five years ago, you asked someone what causes Alzheimer's, they'd say, we don't know, but we're looking for it. You know, it meaning one. Uh, now, and the, the, really the breakthrough that led to this book that I've written has to do with, with a, a, a really, truly remarkable discovery, and that is that Alzheimer's is multi-causal. There are many causes of the disease, and in each patient there are many causes. And so uh, there, there's the idea that there's one biochemical uh, problem that a drug can fix is no longer viable. We now know that we have to identify each of many different, there's a couple dozen different causes in each patient and address each of them. Right. But, you know, it's been over a century since the disease was diagnosed, and so many people still think that there's nothing that you can do to stop dementia from coming. But your book says it's possible to prevent and reverse the effects of Alzheimer's. So what has changed? And, you know, what has changed? What's different? Okay, I, I, I could talk for an hour on that subject, so stop me if I, if I run on. But uh, there are several primary discoveries. The, the first of them is that the one I just talked about, that, that Alzheimer's is many diseases. In each person, it has many causes. Another discovery is 
something that we call neurogenesis. It's the the idea that our own nerve cells can can heal and regenerate themselves, and actually that we can grow new nerve cells. Neurogenesis wasn't really it was postulated in the 1960s, but it wasn't really proven until 10 or so years ago, and mm-hmm. so that's a, a major factor. Um, I think the biggest thing of all, though, and the most exciting for me is a new field called epigenetics mm-hmm. and in terms of um, radical breakthroughs. Our discovery just really in the last few years that we are in control of our genes, that we're not victims of our genes, we're not mm-hmm. at effect of our genes. We can't blame our, our shortcomings on our genes anymore. We can control them. And the, 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 it's, this is science in its early stages, but uh, it's, it's, you're going to hear that, the word epigenetics a lot in the coming years. And explain what epigenetics means simply. What, what does that mean? Well, epigenetics means, uh, epi means near or surrounding and genetic means the genes. And what the discovery is is that there are these things called transfer fa- uh, transcription factors. These are proteins. And the DNA, our, our DNA containing our genes is floating in a big bathtub full of transcription factors. And mm-hmm. transcription factors are a big deal because they are what tells the gene to either turn itself off or turn itself on. And suppose, just for a random example, suppose you had, you know, you have you have genes for Alzheimer's. Uh, there are pro-Alzheimer's genes that, that cause the disease if they're turned on, and there are anti-Alzheimer's genes that are that'll block the progression of the disease or block the, the beginning of the disease. And mm-hmm. so, these transcription factors, depending on what you eat, what what's in your mm-hmm. diet, what kinds of supplements you take, whether you exercise or not. They, these protein transcription factors talk to those genes and tell them whether to express themselves or not. And so if you do all the right things, you can cut. And that's really what my book is. Everything in my book is a way to positively express, uh, positively affect transcription factors to make, mm-hmm. the, to make the pro-Alzheimer's transcription factors turn off and to, the, to, to turn on the anti-Alzheimer's transcription factor. Yeah, and I would love you to talk about the importance of exercise and why it's so important for our brain in terms of the serotonin being released in our brain when we're moving and the positive endorphins and the happy chemicals. Can you talk about that? Sure. It's, it's one of my favorite subjects, and the, re- the reason is because it's so, such a powerful medicine Exercise is medicine, and it, and when you look at all the the research as I've been doing for the past six years now, uh, you see that exercise is the single most powerful way to promote a healthy brain, mm-hmm. to, to promote mm-hmm. a healthy nervous system and brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason it does that is because the the, the biochemistry of it is. There's a, a hormone called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. BDNF is a, is a hormone, a neurohormone, that stimulates the growth of new nerve cells. It stimulates the neurogenesis I was just talking about. And so, so uh, exercise is the single most powerful way of stimulating your body's production of BDNF. BDNF is the hormone that tells the brain to grow and heal. And... Um, uh, 
there's a fascinating study by a professor named Kirk Erickson at the University of Pennsylvania, or Penn State, I think it was. He took, uh, he took older uh, people, people in their 50s and 60s, and it was a really simple mm-hmm. study. He measured the brain size uh, with a functional MRI of, mm. of uh, people. They, they all had early uh, mild cognitive impairment, MCI, and mm-hmm. one group ran or walked actually every day, every other day. It wasn't even that much exercise. I recommend every day. But he had them walk every other day. And then another group that just didn't do exercise. And the, uh, the results were astonishing. The, the group, the, the sedentary group, continued on with more cognitive impairment and smaller hippocampus, the brain, the memory part of the mm. brain. The group that exercised, their hippocampuses grew and got bigger, and they had fewer signs uh, the MCI was going away. Mm. So, uh, and there are many, been other studies like that, but that was kind of the most dramatic one. So would you say that if you did nothing else, and we know you have to do many things, that exercise is probably the most important, and next to that yes, might be food? Yeah. Yes. What about nutrition? You know, there's also a lot of controversy, as you know, around supplements and vitamins, and I, I, I'd love to hear your comments about that, how important that is. Well, it's very important. I mean, the other, besides exercise, the other two ways to uh, uh, reinvigorate your brain and to prevent or reverse Alzheimer's is these two main categories, diet and supplements. So um, I have a lot to say about those, about both of them. The, the basic idea of the anti-Alzheimer's diet, the, the basic principles are a uh, high fat, uh, high good fat, I'll say, diet, mm-hmm. very low carb mm-hmm. diet with, with uh, low amounts of protein. Um, the, uh, and then there, there are specific foods that are particularly good for stimulating BDNF, that neurohormone that grows the brain and stimulates healing. And there are other foods and substances we can go over these later if you want uh, that, that have an a negative effect. They're what I call no-no foods, no-no mm-hmm. things, things that, that uh, undermine brain health. Explain, uh, tell us what that would be. Would that be sugar and alcohol and caffeine? Um, not caffeine, but sugar and uh, alcohol. Sugar is at the very top of the list. Uh, sugar is, uh, we now know, is uh, damaging to the brain, uh, mm. damaging to the central nervous system, and uh, it should be eliminated. Uh, or minimized to an absolute smallest mm-hmm. amount possible. Other yeah. things that, that undermine brain health are additives that, that show up in foods are additives, mm-hmm. preservatives, stabilizers, pesticides, nitrates, artificial coloring, aspartame, mm-hmm. artificial sweeteners. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those yep. kinds of, you know, the, the yeah. usual list of, of uh, yeah. bad guys. Are there any particular foods that you would say are brain-boosting foods, certain foods? Absolutely. Um, I would, uh, at the very top of, mo- of the list are, are eggs and walnuts, blueberries, oh. mm. all vegetables, mm-hmm. coconut oil, avocado oil and avocados, green mm-hmm. tea, 
coffee, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, caffeine and all. Yep. Huh. Interesting. Uh, uh, all berries, including both uh, blueberries, are, are at the top of the list. I, there's a whole chapter in my book about blueberries. Blueberries are just totally amazing. Um, mm. I eat a couple of blueberries every day, and I recommend anyone who wants to have an optimally healthy brain to, to do that. And uh, what about what about blackberries and raspberries? Blackberries and raspberries are just a teeny bit under blueberries in terms of the, the polyphenols and stereotylvines and those uh, 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 chemicals that in, in you know that are healthy for the brain. But all berries are good. Berries and cherries also. Yes. Okay. Very very helpful. Yeah. So what would? Let me ask you this. Let's say there's somebody, and actually, you know, I have to share that one of my parents, uh, both are gone. One did have dementia later. I mean, later in her in her eighties, um, she had uh-huh. other things too. But so you might say that there's a predisposition. And then I had another parent, my my dad, who was very smart, sharp till the day he passed. So you know, you can look at that. But for someone like me, and for someone like millions of us who have had a parent. Right or a relative who's had dementia, how do we in our 50s, 60s, 70s do things every day to help us prevent? You know, and, and, and one thing we may want to add to this is word games or anything to stimulate the brain and activities. So please take it away. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're all at risk. We all have these right. pro-Alzheimer's genes I was talking about. Right. Um, no one, no one is is off the list. So there's no genetic makeup that 100% protects you. So, uh, and the the grim statistics are one in three of all of us, one in three of the people who are alive today in the world will die with Alzheimer's. One in mm-hmm. three. So, uh, so we all start out with this high risk, and then if and I, my mother died of Alzheimer's. It's a lot of has to do with mm-hmm. partly why I wrote the book. And, and um, uh, so having a, a, a first-degree relative that died of Alzheimer's increases your risk from one in three to about one in two. It isn't, it, so as you can see, I mean, you're already at significant risk, and the, the risk of having uh, a, a relative with Alzheimer's it definitely increases it, but since you're already at significant risk, it doesn't all increase it all that much. And, um, you know, being older also increases risk. Mm-hmm. Over 80, you have a risk of one in two of getting Alzheimer's. So, so to try to answer your question, I think that everybody should try to follow this kind of program and to do it to the extent they can. Um, obviously, if they're younger and healthier, they don't, don't need to push quite as hard to do it all. Uh, but if if a person is older, then they then you need to pay attention to it. And uh, it's you know Alzheimer's, as Dr. Dale Bredesen has said, is preventable in 99% of the population. And it has to do with whether or not you do these kinds of things that I talk about in the book. And I try to make it easy. It's not easy, but I try to make it easy, at least in terms of understanding. Wouldn't you say, Tim, that? These are things we should be doing throughout our life. 
not just to prevent Alzheimer's, but these are healthy living things, eating well, exercising, right. Absolutely. I mean, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's literally, but literally no difference between what you want to do for optimal health and just the, the healthiest life you can have and, mm-hmm. and the program that protects the brain. I mean, the brain is so much of what our life is and our consciousness is that how could it be otherwise? You know, I want, I want to ask you something about that because I, I actually just took a workshop about this where the, what they were saying was that when you've had, let's say, a past memory, right, of something that triggered you or was upsetting, that you go back in in your brain and you, and you go back and you relive it and you change the ending. So in other words, instead of it ending the way it did, you change it to a positive ending, that you said the right thing. Or, or the right thing happened, and that you're actually retraining your brain so it's not triggered in the same way. What do you think about that? Well, I think that, uh, the, uh, you know, we talked about epigenetics and yep. uh, the restructure, literally the biochemical restructuring of the brain. Uh, what I left out when I talked about the things that influence these transcription factors is thoughts. I didn't want to complicate the picture at the time, but along with what you eat and the exercise you do and the supplements you take, thought patterns uh, Mm -hmm. directly increase the composition of the transcription factor bathwater that the genes are floating in. And so it's a powerful thing. And, you know, uh, I was a psych major in undergrad school, and I did a residency in psychiatry, and we talked about beliefs and thoughts and attitudes and, you know, these things, and, we, and we, we knew that they affected us. But it hasn't been until just the past few years that the actual genetics of how it works on, down to an atomic level has become understood. And it all fits together. It's, it's so, for me as a biochemist, it's, it's so wonderful to have that connection finally made, you know, in my lifetime. Because it was out there. We all knew it was happening. We, knew, we know that our beliefs affect our physical body and our, our mental state and the kinds of attitudes that we choose to have or choose not to have have, have an effect on us. It just never was known how and why it happens, and now we know. And it's going to lead to some uh, uh, deep changes in the way various therapeutics come about. Uh, we're going to have treatments that are you know, even more positively focused on reinforcing those, those uh, uh, positive genetic outcomes. That brings me to the question of the future. Do you see the future of brain health uh, much more positive than before? Absolutely, and it's going to have to do with these kinds of things. We, you know, the, 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 when I started writing this book in 2014, 2015, these ideas were not available, and uh, when I got near the end of the book, uh, I started seeing the papers on epigenetics coming out and seeing that the things I was recommending, like eating blueberries and taking lithium supplements and uh, uh, DHA and other, other uh, substances that have a beneficial effect on the brain, the, the epigenetic studies were coming out uh, showing how how they work, how they happen. So, I, and I think that that is, 
science is very new, and it's just scratching the surface. You see more and more authors of, in, from all disciplines incorporating these ideas into their, their research studies. So I think that's the future. I think epigenetics, for at least the next 10 years or so, there will be something that comes along after that. But uh, it's, it's the biggest deal right now in, in terms of understanding how the brain works and how the body works. So let's go backwards a little bit. I always jump to prevention because that's one of my favorite things to talk about. But let's look at the disease itself. Um, You know, in terms of people who have dementia, how is it cured and can it be cured now? Um, How it can be cured is all the ideas in my book. I mean, what we've been talking about. So let's talk about when. The, the, you can think of Alzheimer's as a spectrum of, you know, a, con, a continuum that develops. And there is definitely a point of no return. We don't have a really good way of measuring that, but if you did a functional MRI of the brain and saw that the hippocampus, the brain's memory centers, was shrunken and damaged, you know, that patient would be beyond the... the Ability of the, these kinds of ideas to to reverse the disease. We're we're looking at in terms of reversal. We're looking at people who have early who have uh, MCI, mild cognitive impairment. Uh, maybe the next stage after that, as long as it's still in a biochemical uh, phase where the the chemical reactions are disturbed, but the actual structural anatomy of the brain hasn't been damaged to the point where it can't be healed, that's, that's where these ideas would stop being useful uh, when, there's, when there's extensive damage to the structure of the brain. But that happens fairly late in the game. I mean, the, the symptoms of, of Alzheimer's can be present for uh, five, ten, or even a few decades in some cases. take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk to Dr. Timothy Smith who's my guest whose book is Reversing Alzheimer's How to Prevent Dementia and Revitalize Your Brain. We're going to talk more about a little more about genetics. We'll talk more about what we can do in terms of prevention to help prevent Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, dementia, and we'll talk about rejuvenating our brain, which we talked about some, and we'll we'll talk about um, basically what is it? What is the lifestyle we can live that really helps us to be active and healthy in our physical and in our mental brain as well? All right. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. On Read My Lips Radio, producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, invites you to eavesdrop on her live, unscripted conversations with smart, savvy, creative people as she discovers what makes them tick, where they find their inspiration, when creativity first became their passion, and how their creative process can inspire the rest of us to think out of the box. Enjoy, a.k.a. Radio Red's always lively, cool conversations with creatives. Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Oh, how those lips can talk. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mack. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome back. I'm so excited to have as my guest, Dr. Timothy Smith, MD, who is author of the book, Reversing Alzheimer's, How to Prevent Dementia and Revitalize Your Brain. Dr. Timothy Smith is a functional and molecular medicine family physician, brain biochemist, and neuropsychiatrist. He's the author of Renewal, the Anti-Aging Revolution, and his brand new book, Reversing Alzheimer's. Welcome back, Dr. Smith. Um, Tell us how people can find your book. Uh, it will be released on the 10th, which I believe is tomorrow, um, at Amazon and other major outlets, Barnes and Nobles, uh, and uh, our, it can also be purchased on our website. Can I give my web, website address? Of course, of course. It's it's uh, timsmithmd.com. www.timsmithmd.com. 
And so we have the book, but you can also easily buy it from Amazon. Okay, wonderful. All right, well, you know, I asked you this during the break, and I think this is a fun question. I want you to think of, you know, when you tell people what you do or when you see patients or you have friends and you're talking about the subject, what's the, what are the typical questions that you hear? What are people, what are they concerned about? What do they ask you? Well, the first thing that popped into my mind about two minutes ago when you mentioned that you asked this question is, we were coming back from San Francisco on the BART train, coming home to Sonoma County where I live. I and my family were on a trip, and I ran into a colleague of mine, a good old buddy, and we hadn't seen each other in several years. Um, and he and I, he said, "What are you up to, Tim?" And I said, "Well, I'm writing a book." And he said, "Well, what's it about?" And I said, "It's about reversing Alzheimer's disease." And he looked at me and right in the eye, and he said. Good luck with that. And I think, I think that comment kind of summarizes a lot of the attitudes, especially from medical people, who mm. we've, we've grown up with Alzheimer's as not just uncurable, but uh, uh, unfathomable. We, we had no idea what was causing it and why it happened. And, and even then, six or seven years ago, there wasn't a, an understanding. And um, so... The, so uh, I think in terms of challenges and the kinds of questions that people ask, and I get, I get that same question in other forms from other people. That's a, that's a, a common one. You know, how could we possibly yeah. do that? Nobody's ever yeah. been able to do that. How could you couldn't do that? But, you know, so but, here we you are, know, and we can do that, and we yeah, need to work on doing that. Yeah, I want to share this. You know, one of the people I interviewed was Dr. Dan, was, was, he's not a doctor, but Dan Butner, who's a National Geographic explorer. He wrote the book Blue Zones, right? And he tra- you probably know of him. And he traveled all over the world to find the five healthiest places on the world in the world that people live and are healthy and happy and live the longest. And he found that they, first of all, eat a plant-based diet. Secondly, they exercise. And that the 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 the, um, the rate of of dementia is very low, very, if any. Well, you know, it it speaks to the fact that the causes of uh, you know major causes of dementia are chemicals in our environment, toxins yeah. that cause uh, yeah. uh, you know that literally poison our brain cells and cause inflammation, cause damage, and cause the brain to neurodegenerate. So it's not surprising at all. And these, these, you know, a plant-based diet, another reason that's so powerful is because plants, uh, fruit and vegetables, uh, and also nuts and seeds, contain these healing foods that uh, do so much to keep our systems working properly. And they're the, the phytochemicals, we call them, and polyphenols have been in the news a lot. They're probably one of the, one of the most prominent phytochemicals, but the plant, a plant-based diet is where you get these medicines that are in food. Right. What is your feeling about green drinks? You know, the powders that, you know, have all of the fruits and vegetables mixed in, um, antioxidants. What is your feeling about that? I think they're great. I think that uh, as long as they don't add too much sugar or sweetener to them, some of the, but the better ones have, uh, have uh, accomplished Making them palatable and and nutritious, but the idea, you know, in the it's a little bit processed. There's there's a little loss of the power of, compared to fresh, but 
you know, most people can't go out and buy all those different foods that are in, in those drinks. So uh, the well-formulated ones are, are a great idea. All right. Um, anything else you want to make sure you emphasize in terms of preventing uh, Alzheimer's? Well, what about music? Yeah. What, about mo- what about music and sound? Um, I'm familiar with the Mozart effect, and I don't yes, believe in it. I, I think that um, uh, music uh, alters. Uh, I, well, I have to say, in, in all the, the research and going over all the, the, the research papers that I did, I never came across one that talked about using music as a way of reversing Alzheimer's. But I can say this. There's a paper coming. Someone's gonna got to do it. That that shows that Mozart and other great music, whatever the music you love, because the music we love, and it's different for all of us, is what harmonizes with us and what what uh, gets our systems vibrating in a frequency that that works at deep levels to have healing effects. So, and it's different for everybody. Um, uh, but it doesn't matter. It's it's whatever your music is. And, and it, what's, what's this paper that I'm expecting to come sooner or later is going to show the epigenetic effects of music. It, it absolutely is, is there. That we, yeah. the, the sounds that we hear and that, that resonate within us and make us feel good are, are stimulating groups of transcription factors that turn on groups of genes that make us feel good. Um, and and there will be research that shows how to use that information to uh, for therapeutic purposes with therapeutic music and and so on. Yeah, I interviewed Don Campbell, who wrote that book, The Mozart Effect, oh, and wow. before he died, and it was amazing. But you know, yeah. I always wondered because whenever I was working, whenever I work on the computer, I'm always putting either soundscape on or Mozart, and it really helps me. It just helps me think more clearly. So there's something to that um, that I found. Uh, the other thing I wanted you. to share with you. Yeah, go ahead. Too bad Don Campbell's not still alive. He would have been just uh, totally blown away by the epigenetic revolution that's coming. I know. I know. And I interviewed, um, um, I had mentioned to you, uh, Dr. Ken Peltier, who wrote the book on Mm -hmm. epigenetics. It was wonderful. And I interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen, who wrote the book on brain uh, rescue remedy. So um, it was was, wonderful. Wonderful. I wanted to just share this with you because I saw this on a video and it, it was amazing. It, there was a video of Parkinson's patients and they put music on and the caregiver would stand up with the Parkinson's patient and start to walk and the person would shuffle and they put this music on and the person would start to walk and move like in a rhythm all around yeah. the room and it was amazing from that music, yeah. what happened to the brain of the Parkinson's patient? Yes, it was know. it was in training the neurons that are that are jangled in Parkinson's. The neurons, the, the cerebellum, is the source of these neurons in the brain, and the, they they're out of sync with each other. That's why there's that wobbly gait and this, uh, uh, right, uh, you know, inability to control the muscles in a harmonious kind of way. And the music, and I'm sure. There's an epigenetic uh, explanation for this, uh, for what you just described. The, the, yeah, it was so impressive to watch. It was just yeah, amazing. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, 
All right. Let's look at some other things. What else do you really want to share about what we can do to reverse Alzheimer's? An absolute well, must. The, Go ahead. There's so many different things. Uh, one thing that we haven't touched on and that I think is really important and is, is, has been left out of just about everybody's research, even the people who are working on these new ideas, um, uh, has to do with, with the, what we call vascular dementia. And by the way, you, you asked me to explain the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's. And yes. just in a nutshell, dementia is a symptom. It's, it's memory loss, and it can happen in many different diseases. Uh, Alzheimer's is one of those diseases. It's the most common of those diseases. But it's a diagnosis as opposed to a symptom. So that being said, I think um, the, the, the thing I started to mention um, just before that is that there's, there's really two parts to our brain. There's a, there's a vascular part and a nerve part the, in terms of anatom, brain anatomy. The brain is a very complex set of nerves that has uh, blood vessels embedded in it. And the, the, the mass of the blood vessels is pretty much equal to the mass of the, of the uh, neurons. And, and so you, there are really two kinds of dementia. One is called vascular dementia, and that's when these blood vessels start breaking down and malfunctioning. And mm. then there's uh, neurologic dementia, which is what we call Alzheimer's disease. Well, the vascular part is just as important, but, you know, in a living patient, in a, person, a patient who walks into a doctor's office, there's no way to know the difference between these two kinds of dementia because they both are causing symptoms and they're both not working together properly. So, so um, we... Um, but the big difference between the two is that vascular dementia is very treatable, and uh, the the other the other kind of dementia is is uh, more difficult to treat. Vascular dementia is caused by uh, not eating properly, and the biggest cause of it is sugar and carbohydrates. So the thing we hadn't talked about earlier in dietary stuff is the low carb aspect of the anti Alzheimer's diet, and. Mm-hmm. diabetes. And what it, what it really is, though, is an inability to manage sugar. 
And this sugar causes plaque to form in the blood vessels. And if those blood vessels are in the heart, we're at risk of a heart attack. If the blood vessels are in the brain, we're at risk of Alzheimer's disease. Mm. So, so it's very important mm. to, to follow a low-carb diet, and to, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're over 40, and to not take the fact that you don't have any symptoms as a, some kind of sign that everything's just hunky-dory, because it isn't. So, uh, I have question. Question. When you say low carb, what about like gluten free pasta, gluten free bread, um, you know, any of the or potatoes? What about the vegetables and the grains that are carbs? Well, gluten and carbs are two completely different things. You can have a gluten free food that's still high in carbs. Most right. of them are. Most of them are. So you have to look if it's a process, if it's a packaged food. You can look at the label. We discourage all packaged foods, but we still have to eat some of them. But mm-hmm. um, for for pure, whole, fresh foods, you look it up and see how much carb is in it. Um, the 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 uh, pasta, pastas and crackers and donuts and cookies and cakes and you know all all these foods are have to be really minimized in order to take the load off the insulin regulating. Of insulin-driven blood sugar regulating systems, mm. and they'll heal. They'll heal if they're given half a but, chance. And but also what about what about like yeah. whole grains, like whole grain brown rice? What about that? Um, well, uh, it's still carbs. Okay. I, I, um, I in my low-carb diet, uh, rice is the last thing to go. I still have a little bit of rice once in a while, but if I, I just try to have a teeny bit. I, I love the flavor of grains and carbs. It's a big loss in my life, I'll tell you. And for most people, we love our carbs. They're, right. hard, to, they're hard to say no to, and they right. give us this instant energy that we, that we love the feeling of. But there's a, a price to be paid. So the ketogenic, very low-carb diet is the ideal. It, we all, uh, would you, know, you say? All, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Would no. you say that would include, um, when you say ketogenic, would you include a meat and poultry and fish, uh, you know, animal protein or fish protein in that, or no? Yes, yes, but lean. You want the the pro, the the muscle part is the uh, protein. The fatty parts are are the fat. And so you want the leanest, you want chicken without the skin, you want the leanest cuts of beef. And, you know, it still shouldn't be more than about 15 to 30% of your diet. But, you know, uh, uh, if you cut out all your carbs, you have to get calories somewhere, and you Mm -hmm. can't get them all from fat. So uh, meat is acceptable. Eggs are a great source. Eggs have zero carbs. They're a great source of, of vitamins and phytochemicals and nutrients essential fatty acids. Um, so it is doable, but it's hard. It's hard to not eat mm-hmm. carbs. Yeah. I'd say yeah. it's the hardest part if for in terms of the big picture for, for this anti-Alzheimer's diet. It's the hardest yeah. thing to do. But it also has very powerful science behind it. it what, what's, your feel, what's your feeling about dairy, cheese, and milk? And, of course, cheese has um, protein. Yeah, you know... Those are okay. Um, I, in my practice, I did a lot of testing, and just about everybody's allergic to dairy. So 
Yes. Uh, it's a whole different reason, but the, um, the allergenicity of it is a problem. So dairy, uh, I, I use uh, goat milk a little bit, and goat milk yogurt is one of my staples. Uh, but uh, I think small, and I think cheese is okay. Uh, organic cheese is better than the other if you can find it. But I do think cheese is, is okay. Um, not huge quantities, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more worried about dairy in terms of the allergenicity. Uh, in terms of the Alzheimer's diet ideas, it's really fine. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. high, high good fat food. Right. And what you're talking about now is for brain health. I mean, that's really what you're yes. talking about for brain yes. health. Yeah, yeah. All right. What would you... If we don't want to put things you... in that cause inflammation. And if you're allergic, it's, that's inflammation. So exactly. it's inflammation that damages the neurons and uh, contributes to the breakdown of the brain. What would your message be for our listeners, Dr. Smith, on reversing Alzheimer's? If you want them to get one major message on how to prevent dementia and revitalize your brain, what would you say? Well, I would say, and I'm, I'm not trying to promote myself here, but I would say get my book and look at it and do the things that in, it goes into all of these things we've talked about in great detail. It explains why you want to do the, do the various uh, you know, treatments, the, the various lifestyle choices that will go into keeping your brain healthy and do the ones that you can do. And uh, no one, no one, very few people start out doing the whole thing. Uh, but, but if you get the idea of where you want to go and what you need to do to get there and then do the things that are not, not terribly uncomfortable to do, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a great proponent of doing it gradually. Uh, right. People who do suddenly often go back to the suddenly. What? What about, are there any particular types of exercise that you think are especially good for stimulating the brain? Yes, the research on that is very clear. Walking, or for younger people, jogging, has to be the the foundation for any exercise program. Not biking, not swimming, not weightlifting. All those things are good, and exercise machines. All those things are fine, but walking is uh, the, the, the uh, base program item that you should do every day. And, because, um, because of the way it stimulates the brain? Yes, because of, because of the... It, it, it's been compared with other forms of exercise, and in terms of stimulating BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, that hormone, that neurohormone that stimulates the growth of brain cells, uh, walking does it the best. By far, other forms of exercise are important, because, and I would include stretching also in that. Uh, be, uh, uh, but all other forms of exercise are important too, because you want to exercise the whole body. But the but the core muscles uh, uh, and the lower body and moving moving uh, is the is the thing that causes the biggest effect on on the brain. Yeah, very very helpful. It's, and it's significant. They they've shown. People who walk every day have a 2% increase in the size of their brain every year. Wow. I'm writing that down. Walk every day, have 2% increase in size of brain. Wow. The reference to that is in my book. Okay, wonderful. How can people get your book? Well, on the 10th, it's going to be available on Amazon. 
So, and they can also get it, and that's tomorrow. So uh, it's released. It's generally released tomorrow through other book outlets, also Barnes and Noble and Amazon. They can also get it at our website, www.timsmithmd.com. So, and I. All right. Thank you so much for being on the program. It was it was wonderful. And um, well, thank, thank you. you. It's really been a pleasure being here and and speaking with you. Thank you. All right, stay on the line for a minute. Okay. All right, everyone, that wraps up this uh, edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Find me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin Raskin Resources, if you'd like a copy of my newsletter or uh, learn about some of the things I'm doing to help people create their own podcasts and my uh, my free ebook on that. Please write to me again, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.